Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 33, and actually number 33 is a pretty special number to me because it was my number in high school for football. It was number 33. I actually have that engraved on my class ring, so when I hear that number, it brings back football days. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, so it's been a great, a great week. It's been a great month, and uh, I'm really, really excited to share with you today a special guest that I'm going to have on that uh, is in retail or has been in retail, and then went and took that knowledge and that expertise, and then moved it to Amazon. And he's doing really, really well, and he's got big things planned for his private label business. So we're going to get into that. We're going to give you his entire interview that I recorded with him. He's a really, really cool guy, and I'm going to introduce you to him in in a few minutes. All right, before we do get going here, I wanted to, number one, say that uh, as I'm recording this, it's the day of the workshop that I'm doing. It's a, a live workshop, so if you're listening to this, obviously you're not going to be able to go to it live, uh, but you will be able to go and either sign up for another uh, workshop slash webinar, hangout, whatever you want to call it. Uh, or you can uh, possibly watch the replay depending on if it records as it should uh, and if it's still up. Uh, so you can go and check that out at theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And I've got a pretty big announcement that I'm making on that uh, workshop as well. So um, you know, if you can watch the replay, I would would say do that, uh, or at least just sign up for the next uh, workshop. All right, so I'm really, really excited to be able to do that. It's going to be all about the five phases of uh, this business that I go through on the podcast, uh, but I'm going to just actually show you visually uh, through a presentation that I put together you know, AKA workshop. All right. And, and right now I can't even believe the response we've had so far. I mean, 995 registered right now and it's in the morning. So I'm anticipating we're going to definitely break the 1000 mark. So that's really, really awesome. And, uh, Hey, if you showed up and, uh, you're on the, and you were on the workshop, Thanks for showing up. All right. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is the Facebook group. That group is going bananas. It's going awesome. And uh, I think right now, as I'm recording this, we're just over 1,700 members now in that group. And I've had so many people say, Scott, I belong to a lot of Facebook groups, but this one here is the best because it's a lot of people helping each other. And there's not any of the, you know, review, uh, review groups and, you know, promotions and everything. We try to really get that, that stuff out of there. So, thank you everyone that's in that group for making it so awesome and if you're not part of that group and you want to uh, you want to become a, a member of that group uh, you just have to send a request in and then I'll usually approve it within 12 hours so that ad that address is theamazingseller.com forward slash FB F is in Frank B is in boy all right and before we get into the interview here I'm going to just again read a review that I got from iTunes from one of you awesome people out there that left me a review I really really do appreciate it uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that to you right now. And what's really cool with this one is I love the headline, an absolute game changer, five star by uh, Suni or Sunil K, S-U-N-E-I-L capital K. Uh, okay. Scott brings FBA to the everyday person. No fancy tricks. He talks to regular people, newbies to online business. His goal is to get the wheel rolling. Every question I've had has been answered in one of these episodes, which are very easy to listen to, and that was in brackets. Keep doing what you're doing, Scott. You're one of a kind, and that right there says it all for me. That's what I want people to get from this podcast, right? No fancy tricks, 
regular people, you know, no one's saying that they're doing millions and millions of dollars. And uh, not that I have anything against that. It's just, you know, we can relate to everyday people. And that's really what, uh, what I relate to. So anyway, that's what I wanted to read there. I thank you so much there, Sunil, I think it is, or I'm totally probably butchering that name and I apologize. And it might even just be a username. I'm not sure, but hey, Awesome. Thank you so much. If you haven't left your, uh, your, your review yet for the iTunes directory, I'd really appreciate if you take a couple seconds to go do that. It helps the ratings and helps me stay motivated to do this for free. Okay. So, uh, go ahead and do that. All right. So that's going to, that's going to be it for the, the little pre-show here. Let's jump right into this interview. And, uh, oh, I didn't even mention the guy's name, Tyrone. And, uh, he's a really, really cool guy. I think you're going to really dig him and you're going to get a lot out of this interview. So enjoy. I'll talk to you at the end of the interview. Well, hey everyone, I am really excited today to have a special guest on. His name is Ty Roney, and he has a really cool story to share with us. Uh, another guy that was in retail, um, actually he's got a great story because he, he was in retail, and then he decided to go off of or out of retail and into Amazon on his own, and I'm going to let him explain the whole story, but it's, it's really, really inspiring. He's also going to talk a little bit about private labeling that he's just getting into that, but he's also got really some cool things in mind, which I think is going to be very helpful. So Ty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. I'm really excited. I know you and I talked a little bit off off air here, uh, but uh, you know you've got a really unique story, and I just kind of want you to t- kind of take people back to uh, you know where you came from, kind of in the sense of business and and marketing and you know ecom or retail, whatever you were doing. Kind of take us through that story, catch us up to kind of you know what got you selling on Amazon first and foremost, and then we'll dive into you know what your plans are moving forward. Sounds good. Gosh, it's like, where should I start? Um, <laughs> well, why don't you take us back to the retail store that you were working in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I managed a retail store just fresh out of college. And uh, after a couple years doing that, I decided, okay, I need to go get my MBA and, and you know, move on from this. Uh, so I started an evening MBA program. And at, during that time, uh, a rep for our, you know, uh, the retail store came to the store and said, "Hey, you know what? You should be selling on Amazon." And so I, I, I said to my bosses, "I said, you know, I think I think we ought to sell on Amazon. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really getting a little burned out from the regular retail management. And uh, if you chop my salary in half, but give me some upside uh, on the Amazon side, I'll, uh, I'll stick around. And I think that'd be really exciting." And they said no, and <laughs> so I just said, "All right." Well, uh, I guess it's time for me to take off. And uh, so this was all kind of during a very busy time of my life, too. It was, it was kind of crazy. I was, I was getting my MBA. I was, I was, you know, my wife was pregnant uh, with our first. And, uh, and I decided to partner up with a buddy in my MBA program and said, hey, you want to try this Amazon thing with me? So I essentially formed a, a retail store just like the one that I was managing, but it was all online. And so we sold all our products uh, on Amazon. So you started, and, right, just before you go, Ty, so what you first started, okay, you're in retail, just like I'm thinking of like, you know, you go to like, you know, Toys R Us or something, right? So you're in like, a, but maybe a smaller level than that. It wasn't a, was a huge franchise or was it? 
Yeah, you know, kind of a, a local store. There were, we had two locations. Yep. So it was a more mom and pops. It was a specialty toy store. Okay. Okay. Cool. So so from there, then you just all of a sudden said, "I'm going to go ahead and and you know try to get something going on on Amazon." And what made you think of Amazon? Like, what was just because you were hearing good things about it, or you're hearing people are starting to make some money at it? And and how how long ago was this? Was this like two or three years? Yeah, this was in, uh, let's see, it, it was in beginning of 2012, and uh, I had, yeah, the rep, the, the, some different reps that, you know, they, they rep different lines to the store, they okay. represent different products, and they always try and sell it into your store. They said, hey, you know, you ought to build your own, your own, your own Amazon store, um, and it was smart of him to do that, wow, uh, okay. because, you know, <laughs> he basically creates new stores that way, right? Sure. Um, and Amazon, you started to, know, you know, I started, the more I started learning about it, I started realizing there's some volume there. And, uh, you know, I start hearing about other people that are having success. So uh, my business partner and I said, okay, let's each put in, you know, $5,000 and see what we can make of this uh, in, our, in our limited spare time, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, so we, 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 we started out, you know, kind of looking at, okay, you know, what types of products uh, at least were selling well in the store? And I started from there, and okay. it was interesting that it that didn't always correlate. In fact, it rarely, you know, in many cases, it, it didn't correlate perfectly at all with what sold well on Amazon. But we started just analyzing, okay, what's the sales rank, uh, and what are our costs? You know, can mm-hmm. we make money on this item? Wow, that's and, uh, that, that, that's interesting. Though I just want to stop there for a second too, because like you had just said, some things that were selling retail in store weren't necessarily selling well on Amazon. I think that's a huge takeaway for people because some people will say, wow, this thing over here is selling really good or they'll do a Google Google search, right? They'll do a Google search to say, wow, this thing's getting searched for a ton of times. They got to be getting a ton of sales. And then all of a sudden they go to put it on Amazon and it, it doesn't sell, and that's why I always tell people the research should really go, you know, and, and come from Amazon because that's if that's the platform you're going to start with. Oh, absolutely, and you have to remove, you know, you have to remove your own personal bias completely out of the equation. And I learned that both in the retail store and on Amazon. I mean, people buy what they want to buy, not what you think they should want to buy. You know, exactly. and I, we just, you know, you end up looking at the data. Does the data make sense? And can you make money? You know, just because a product sells extremely well, I, you know, I would say 99% of the products that are being sold, you know, uh, like regular retail brand name products, I don't know how they're making money. Wow. And, and if I don't know how they're making money, I don't know, you know, I don't know how anyone else would figure out how they're making money, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. reselling it as far as resellers are concerned, because they're, they're taking a margin that's uh, maybe zero to 1% if, uh, you know, wow. and it's just kind of crazy. So you really have to check your costs and know what your costs are. You know, you use the, the little FBA revenue calculator yep. and you drill that down. But then, but then don't forget, you have to get the product in a lot of cases to you first and then to Amazon, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so breaking that down can be a little tricky, especially when you have, you know, hundreds of products that you're working with. So it's, it's, if you don't know your costs, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's huge. So I want to, I want to bring up something here and you can, you know, continue, but now, so you and your partner say, okay, we're going to, we're going to take five grand and, and, and put into this thing. And that, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. So people out there are listening, you know, you don't have to necessarily start with that. But what Ty's saying is like, they were going all in on this particular um, business venture, but really you could take these principles and apply it to something smaller scale and start with something less. But that's what you started with. So you starting with that, what kind of products are you picking? How many products are you picking? Are you, again, are you just kind of throwing some things in there, maybe five of something else and 10 of something else and 
and seeing what sticks or, you know, what's your plan at that point? Yeah. So we, we decided we kind of came up with our own, with our own little criteria and we refined those over time, but we, we, we said, okay, uh, let's start off trying to find products that have a, have a sales rank and this might shock you, but a sales rank better than 100,000, uh, in that category. And, and then, and that, that have, uh, that we can make at least a 20% margin on, Mm -hmm. you know, before, and that's before we calculate our shipping costs. So understanding that that would be a buffer and that at the end of the day, we'll probably end up making between 10 and 15%. Okay. Uh, so we, we, we just selected a few, uh, we, I think we probably started off with two or three different product lines, okay. and we we selected just the very best ones. Uh, in fact, in the very beginning, we we only we tried to only carry things that were I don't know maybe a, a twenty thousand sales rank or better in that particular category. Mm-hmm. And and so we the the nice thing about that though is that w- you when you're when you're just retailing uh, or doing arbitrage or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, you can order, you can order by the twelves, right. Sure. Or by the 24s or even by the sixes, whatever. So, uh, the, the goal is to try and turn over your inventory. You know, for me, it was every month. Mm-hmm. So I want to sell, I want to order enough that I can sell it through in one month and then I can turn over my cash in time to pay my suppliers. Sure. So that's kind of how we got started. You know, we just we selected just a very small group of, of products, and then uh, it was it was pretty wild. I think the the nice thing back then, getting started back then, was mm-hmm. that the market was uh, more wide open uh, as far as the as far as just regular retailing goes. So uh, there there just wasn't as much competition. So we were just selling, and it was it was kind of wild. I mean, you just. It's a totally different experience than than what I'm doing now. But you know, back then, it, you just if you wanted to add a product, you just click add that product. It's already being sold, and then your product is added, and then you send an inventory. Right, and then so it you're basi- selling. It's basically just pre-populating that listing in a sense. You you don't have to take product images. You don't have to take nothing any of that stuff because you're basically borrowing the SKU in a sense, um, or the UPC code or whatever. And then that's going to establish that that's that particular brand. And then it's going to establish everything for you. And that's uh, you know that's what I've been hearing more and more of is is that's the attractive thing with retail art. You don't really have to do a lot other than list it. But um, okay, so. So now you know that's that's good in all case. You kind of seen some sales coming through, and now what did you do? Did you just scale up from there and start like really starting to add more of what was selling and maybe removing what wasn't selling? Um, what was your plan moving forward? Yeah, so we we just kind of took our criteria, and it, it was basically and and the giant guys there. It's all it's all the exact same thing. You're creating a giant funnel of products, and you're just you're you're constantly trying to get price lists from suppliers and you know going to trade shows and and you know calling up your reps and saying hey what are the what are the new products that you have so you're taking a giant funnel and getting you know literally thousands of products and then sorting them out and seeing what makes it through your filter and then we just started ordering that and we literally i it, it was pretty amazing you know the first that first year we we just kept we just kept reinvesting that you know that original five thousand we each put in, mm-hmm. and uh, once we got to the to right before Q four, you know it, this was in the toy industry. So in the toy industry, you do about sixty to seventy percent of your sales in Q four. Sure. 
which is kind of wild when you think about it. You're betting your entire year on the on the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, but hey, there's you know at the same time there's a lot of money to be made sure. in the month of December. So we had actually you know we were able to kind of self fund it till we got to that point. And then we just asked my dad, said, hey, can you, you know, lend us a little bit more money? And I, I can't remember what it was that first year, you know, maybe around forty or $50,000, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it was awesome that, that he was willing to do that. Sure. And he just said, all right, this better be back to me by the end of the year. So <laughs> it was, we borrowed it in October in order to, you know, pay everyone and, and get, all our, get all of our inventory into Amazon. And then we paid it back by December 15th. So nice. uh, it, it was pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. And and uh, so that's that's kind of how it how it all got started, and, and really, you know, the getting going is is the easy part. the The tricky part when you're doing that type of business, it's uh it's maintaining, and then yeah. uh, you know, winning the buy box and and managing your data and and really managing your inventory at that point. Yeah, there, there's a whole new set of challenges there. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about two things that came to my mind. First off, okay, you're putting the listings up. Did you do? Did you have to do any type of promotions for that? Like anything at all, or did you just put it up and now you're in the buy box somewhere and your price is what it is and now you're going to show up somewhere in the buy box? Did. Zero. You did Literally nothing, for huh? the first year, I did not touch a listing. So basically, I mean, all your job was is to find the product, get it, you know, into Amazon, and get the thing listed, turn it on, and then go to the next. Yes. Now the the pricing is important, though, right? Because pricing is what it's a huge part of of the buy box. Uh, you know, seller feedback helps. Uh, you know, you got to have some good seller feedback and and make sure that your account's in good standing with Amazon and all that. But the the pricing is is really kind of how how you end up you know winning long term or you know that strategy is is huge so uh you know all the all the big sellers uh, that are on that are selling on you know if there's a, a listing a brand name you know and there's 100 people on it or 20 people on it everybody that's a big seller has a pricing engine so it's a software that tells you that you get to write the rules and you say okay I don't want my price to go any lower than this this is my floor uh, and then compared to my competitors, you know, I want it to be this. So you could set it to, you know, be two cents above, or you could set it to randomly go below or above them. And you could say, I want to win the buy box, you know, it, up down until my, you know, basically my minimum floor. And it's it's pretty it's pretty sophisticated and it's pretty wild the things that uh, that people are doing. So That's pretty it, crazy. it's intense. Yeah. So let so okay. And I'm learning something right here with you now because. You know, I figured there was probably something out there like that. So what you're telling me is that there's actually a software that integrates with your Amazon account, like a, through an API of some kind, and then from there you can basically have that thing auto-regulate by the buy box, by whatever other competitors are doing, and then you can almost like underbid um, on the fly without you having to manually go in and check all your listings. Oh yeah, there are several softwares out there That's and they're 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 uh they're quite sophisticated wow. um it's it's really it's really pretty fascinating and everybody has them everybody that's a big that's a big retailer if they're doing you know uh over seven figures a year i mean even if even less than that i mean we started using that software pretty much right as, as soon as we heard about it and it's it's completely you cannot survive uh, in the in the retail world, without that, if you're just reselling a product on Amazon, it's uh, because yeah, because you've got to compete with that buy box, right? So absolutely, and you've got to be able to 
not only do you want to, you know, let's say if you want to be the low low price guy, I mean that's that's not exactly my favorite way to go, um, for obvious reasons. But if you want to win that buy box, there there's people changing their prices every day. There are people that are stocking out every day, and so not only do you want to get that lowest price if that's what you're going for, but during the fourth quarter. That's where you make all of your margin back because what happens in the fourth quarter is prices rise because so many people are stocking out. Gotcha. Uh, and things go crazy. So if some if the bottom guy that's selling something for 30 bucks stocks out, it automatically will bump up to the next guy who's, you know, next in line and he might be selling it for $32. Gotcha. And so you want your price engine to automatically bring you to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you can capture that margin and not sell out of your product at the lower price when you could have been you know, saying, "Oh man, I I don't want to sell it for less than such and such." You know, or uh, you can even set your set your um, you know we, what we do in the fourth quarter often is we would we would set our pricing engine to be about seven to ten cents higher than the than the competitor, so that it would slowly raise the prices. Right. Gotcha. Um, so it was an interesting, yeah, lots of interesting things going on there. And you can pay you can pay a lot of money for those engines. You can pay a uh, you know a little bit of money for those. Um, and it all just kind of depends on what you're looking for and what kind of experience you want. So yeah, so that's a whole another set of challenges. And I know you know I talk uh, you know this whole show was created for private labeling because that's what I started with and that's what I'm currently doing. And uh, you know and, and it's it just happens to be on Amazon right now, which I do plan to also build a, a you know a second channel of my own, which I think everyone should be doing. But I'm not. 100% doing that yet. But um, but yeah, so that's a whole nother set of challenges. I know in private label, we're always talking about, you know, who's running the promotion and, you know, who's trying to compete with you, not for the buy box necessarily, but who's trying to beat you in rank and, and all that stuff and reviews. Um, so that's those challenges. But for you in the retail space, it's all about price and it's all about really winning that buy box, which a lot of times is because of price, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it- there, there, there are sellers out there that say that there's a lot more to it than that, um, which I, I agree to a certain extent, right? That, that you know, you have to, if you're well-stocked, uh, Amazon likes that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have good seller feedback, Amazon likes that. If you, if, you know, if your account has no issues, you know, as far as how Amazon measures your performance, you know, under your performance notifications, that mm-hmm. if, if all of that looks good, that's always a good thing, right? But in my opinion, there's no reason not to be good at all of that, right? Sure. So, so if, if you're not good at those things, yeah, that'll affect you, but you should just be good at all that. And then the only thing left is, is price at that point. Right. Okay. So that's why you'd never try and sell anything against, uh, amazon.com if they're retailing it your life's over right so okay good 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 and i'm glad to hear that because a lot of people say too they're like you know i'm thinking about private labeling this product and amazon sells that product you know should i still sell that product and my thought is is on that is obviously if you're private labeling you can sell a product that's different in a sense right it's not the same brand but um, it does make it challenging because they're going to always be ahead of you. But if there's enough demand in that market that you see that there's maybe 10 other sellers selling something similar and they're all doing well or they're all at least selling you know, the, your minimum that you want to sell, then it's still okay. But in your case, like you're saying, if you're going after this one toy and Amazon sells that one toy, you know, you're not going to win the buy box. That is correct. They yeah. they they take it about ninety ninety five to ninety nine percent of the time, and then everybody else that's there on the listing gets to split the rest of the percentage, which sure. is nothing. Right. So you can play the you can play the long term strategy, which some people do. They just they just buy some inventory and they're willing to wait for a year for it to sell. Yes. Because yep. Amazon will stock out at some point, but yep. that's I mean that's just kind of 
not my favorite thing to do, right? Yeah. If you've got oodles of cash, but if you have oodles of cash, you probably have better things to do. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a that's a great that's a great point. But this is fascinating, you know, because I think some people, um, you know, they don't know the ins and the outs of the retail world, but they also are thinking about getting into retail arbitrage. So the people that are getting into retail arb, just we'll go on this just for a second. Would you have any tips for them? Not necessarily finding products, but when they list the product, they're probably, you know, not going to win the buy box, but does, does that mean that they still will have a harder time selling or will they probably sell that product if it's a popular product? Uh, so if you don't get in the buy box, I do not think you're going to sell. It's just, you know, people, people half the time don't even know that they're buying from, you know, from whatever sure. toy store and fulfilled by Amazon. They just think everything's Amazon. So when they add to cart, they add to cart. And maybe there's other people that have different behaviors than than I do, but that's kind of how I navigate Amazon personally, right? It's sure. okay, here's the product. I'm I'm going to buy it. So if yeah, if you're just getting started, I would say, you know, try and find a, a product where where it, it really the the price lets you know if you can be competitive or not, you know, and if you can win the buy box, uh, the pricing tells you everything. So if you, if you, if you know where, what you can source it for and you know exactly how much you can make according to the price that's currently listed on there, sure, sure. um, you know, get on camel, 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 check out the pricing history yep. and make sure that it doesn't happen to be just some abnormally high price at that point, because that's happened to me before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so know the history of the price. The price tells you. So if, if you can match that price, you'll get into the buy box, gotcha. uh, and and you'll you'll make some sales. Now, uh, if you can't, uh, you're if you're if you're saying, oh, if I can only sell it for a dollar more, well, if you're willing to wait and see if that item will increase by a dollar, then you can win it. But right. if not, yeah, you're kind of toast there. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of the, a lot of the retail art uh, people say to. You know, definitely be patient, but just your job really is to just keep uh, filling your your inventory. And a lot of times they'll buy stuff from like let's just say a holiday, right? And they get it at 80 percent off in in the store, and they know that the next year they're going to do it. They might hold that in in their their garage or a storage facility, and then maybe a couple months before they'll upload it into FBA, and then that's when they're they're going to make their money. But again, it's almost like a year. Plan, uh, you know, a year out plan where you got to wait, you got to store, then you got to ship. Um, you know, and again, if you're just starting and you're looking for cash to get started with, I think retail arb is a great way to do it. Uh, but you got to be smart, like you just said, Ty. You, it's it's about the price. Are you going to be able to make a profit by selling it at a certain price? Um, that's going to tell you everything. Yeah, yeah, and and two, you know, I. I always wonder what to call what I was doing. You know, was it retail R? But it's it's kind of an interesting model, right? It's the the one thing that I that I am not a huge fan of. It, it's obviously a great place to start, right? Is if you're just out, literally going to retail stores and buying mm-hmm. your products and selling mm-hmm. them on Amazon. That's not a very scalable kind of process, you know. For me, anyway, that seemed like a lot of a lot of groundwork. Whereas if you can figure out, or maybe you have a buddy, or if you just know anybody that knows anything about any retail store. I would approach them and say, "Hey, you know what? Like, I think there's opportunity on Amazon. Can we figure out a way to to create our own retail store? You know, using air quotes in Scott fashion yep. here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then and then that way you're always getting the product at at wholesale cost. You know, right. which is always discounted, right? So you're not always trying to find the deal, uh, but you're getting the product at the regular wholesale rate that any other retailer is going to get it at right and right. so that's a little bit nicer of a way to try and to try and go about it that way you're not always hustling just to find the next one little product you're you're getting 
a spreadsheet of products from a company and they're all at 50% off retail because that's what wholesale is, you know? Right, right. Is that typically what it is, Ty? Is it usually at, 50%? At least, so yeah, at least in at least in the toy industry, you know, and I think it's somewhat standard across a lot of industries, you know, what they call it the keystone margin, you know, whatever you buy it at wholesale for, you double it and that's what you can sell it at retail for. Okay. Um, and so that's, you know, if you think about it, you know, manufacturers, uh, you know, traditionally it's like they ought to be able to, mark up their product by double in order to wholesale it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of the whole, the nice thing about what, what you're doing is you take that and you ought to be able to quadruple from what you started, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which you, is the best yeah, way to go. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I like what you said though, because, you know, me personally, I, I just from my information marketing, you know, background, I, I've always been a fan of creating something once or, ha you know, selling something, you know, creating it once and then selling it forever in a sense. So it, it's just like you said, if you find that one product, that's selling and then you can wholesale it. And if you can't, if you don't, if you don't want to wholesale and you want a private label right away, you can, but you might just want to wholesale in the beginning to see if it's going to work before you make the initial investment for the private label. Um, and I talked to Chris Schaefer who, who has done something similar to what you've done. And, um, his story was basically that, um, he was talking at either a meetup or something for business. And this person was talking about their retail store and that they were selling and they were doing okay, but she wants to, you know, eventually go online. He goes, Hey, can we have lunch? They had lunch. Long story short, he says, let me list your stuff on Amazon and I'll take 30% of your profits. Yeah. No, no problem. So now he yeah. doesn't create the product. He doesn't deal with the overhead. He just takes and creates her store, lists her products, helps her with the marketing of it. And she doesn't care because she's still making money from taking her product and bringing it to Amazon. So that's why I tell people too, you need to ask people, you need to listen. Okay. When you're, when you're at either a, a meetup group or whether you're just, maybe you're just at family and someone in your family sells retail and they have no idea about this particular model. So there's definitely opportunity there. It's all around us. You just have to be listening for it and then be willing to, you know, jump in there and say, hey, let's let's give this a go. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe we'll get into this later, but, you know, that's that's kind of the same situation I'm in now. You know, we created a we created an agency and there are some big we have some big clients and it just shocked me that they didn't know the opportunity on Amazon. Yeah. You know, Isn't that uh, but crazy? it's there. Yeah, yeah it's wild. Okay, so let, let's let's go into that. Okay, I think we, we've taken everyone through your process. And well, let, let's just tell people too, though, your first three years, uh, well, actually your first two years, but then your third year, you kind of that was your, your realization that you, you wanted to switch gears, but your first two years were pretty darn good. Why don't you give people uh, some numbers, if you don't mind, just so they know the volume that you were doing? Sure. So our our first year we did 400,000 in sales and that netted out to about 70,000 in profit. Okay. And then our second year uh we did 1.2 million in sales and that that ended up probably being around 150,000 in profit. Okay. Um and then our third year ended up you know we did 1.5 million but it only ended up being about 100,000 in profit. So uh you you see that there was kind of a a uh disturbing trend there, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the profit wasn't, uh, you know, on my third year, we were selling almost four times what we did our first year, and my profit was not much higher uh, because the landscape was getting very, very, very competitive. Right. So it was, yeah, it's an interesting, a really interesting model and really fun to, to kind of deal with. But I, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm kind of like you, Scott, where I'm, I'm excited about developing a, a brand and having that creative process of developing a product and you know helping other people to kind of do the same and, and push their product into a new a new marketplace and I like that that idea rather than than just being so uh, hyper focused on analytics and on 
okay, can I win the buy box? What, you know, what do I need to tweak here? And, and the margins are, are, are just tiny, right? So you're, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit risky when you get into a large-scale operation uh, just because you can get stuck with some inventory. You know, when, you're, sure. when you're buying sure. $300,000 of inventory for the fourth quarter, you know, that's a, yeah, yeah. it gets a little bit riskier because you've you got to make your bets and you have yeah. to send it all into Amazon FBA before Christmas even begins, right? Before right. even before even uh, Black Friday hits. Sure. So, sure. yeah, no, that's, and those are some great points. But I mean, I want, I want people listening. You know, you had a lot of revenue coming through there. Your profit margins were a little lower because it was wholesale, but it was still some good money there. And you were seeing it was scaling. But then you also had a light bulb go off kind of when you were like, I'm doing all of this. We just, you know, all this work, we've, we've just, we've, we've made more money or we've generated more money, but we've made less. We've got to we got to do something. We got to switch. We got to pivot. And the great thing about this, though, is is how much you learned in those three years about Amazon. So now it's just you adapting to either the private label or an agency with helping other people in retail get in that they have their own products. Um, so I think that's that's really really cool that you obviously learned and you pivoted and now you're moving in that that new direction. So talk about how the agency type thing came about. Okay. How did this new revelation come, if you will, that you said, this is what I'm going to do. Did someone approach you or did you approach someone else? I mean, kind of lead us through that. Sure. So, I mean, I've, 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 like you, in the last several years, I've I've had so many people say, "Hey, you know, my buddy sell you know sells such and such, and he mm-hmm. wants to sell on Amazon. Can you give him some tips?" So I I've been kind of helping people just along the way, uh, just for fun, you know, and just trying to help them get going because I I knew that there was potential there. Sure. And then, um, you know, right at the end of of last year, I just I just decided, you know what, I'm I'm. I'm kind of done doing this this side of the business, and I I actually sold my portion um, to a new partner, and so and right around that same time, it was it was kind of a you know it was a revelation. Some uh, I, I had a friend of mine that introduced me to uh, this this group of three entrepreneurs that said, "Hey, we want to do this Amazon thing. We want to create an agency. We know we know brands and manufacturers, um, and we're good at." You know we're good at networking, and we and we know all of that, but we need a guy that understands Amazon. Okay. So I said, great, you know, and I partnered up with them, and now we've got you know ten clients, and a couple of them are really big, and it just shocked me that they did not know what what Amazon was all about, right? And yeah, they just yeah. weren't even selling on there. Wow. So there's, I mean, there is just so much value because uh, in in a whole. And oh man, I don't even know where to start, right? But from building listings, right, a quality listing, sure. to doing the right marketing, which you know everything about, mm-hmm. and then and then in the long run, uh, if you're dealing with a brand that has a, a lot of products, the number one thing is to maintain control of their listings, right? So in case there's some, you know, uh, retailers that are trying to jump on and sell that same product, and maybe they're chopping the price down or they're, you know, they're, they're, maybe they added a listing before the own, the, the brand guy, you know, the manufacturer actually added his own. So you got to kind of gain control of all that so that you can, uh, so that all your listings look nice and uniform and everything. And then, and then managing inventory, it's the number one, uh, keeping products in stock. I mean, you'd be surprised at how, how difficult that can be, uh, when you're dealing with hundreds of products. So absolutely. So how does that get managed? Let's, uh, let's, let's go with that real quick. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, I mean, you don't have to go through all the details, but that's, I mean, there's a lot of work to, to maintaining one product, let alone hundreds, you know? 
Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Okay. So okay. The 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 management part I I can do. It's building building a lot of listings quickly. That's what we're working on, right? Okay. And and doing it right. And so that's those are kind of our learning pains right now. How do we build a lot of listings, but also make sure that there's a lot of detail in each one, right? Uh, but then the management part, yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to making sure. Uh, understanding how buying works, you know, I was I was a buyer for that toy store forever, and then I was the buyer for my own Amazon store, and and you really have to take a kind of take a look at the market and kind of see what's happening and look at your sales history. So, you know, a, a quick and easy way that I that I kind of like to think about it is okay, what were my I want stock for one month, and I want it to turn over every month if I can. Uh, so if if I have you know what were my sales for the last thirty days. Uh, did I stock out? What were my sales for the last 14 days? You know, mm-hmm. was there a slight uptick? What were my sales for the last 90 days? What type? What time of year is it? Is it you know yeah, what type? Are, what kind of is this is product? Yeah, is this product better suited for the spring or the summer? There's lots of outdoor toys that are really great in the spring and like water balloon stuff, and that's really great in the spring. But it, once you hit kind of end of August, you better not have anything left. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise you're waiting until until April of the next year. And by that time, you've hit some some uh, some uh, warehousing fees, right? Sure. From Amazon, so I kind of look at all that and then say, okay, you know, what what should I, you know, what do I order for the next thirty days? And then also taking into account your lead time. How long does it take from when you order? Typically, how long does that manufacturer, you know, the supplier take to get you the product? Uh, and then how long does it take you to make sure that you can turn around and get it into Amazon? Uh, and we found that it, you know, a lot of times it's about a two week process, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you have to build that in and make sure that you're 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 building that lead time into when you're ordering. So you figure out, okay, you know what, two weeks. How many products am I going to sell in two weeks? So what, what's my lowest? You know, what at what point do I need to reorder? So if you if you know that you're going to move ten products in two weeks, well, you better you know a little bit over ten products. So maybe you're at. 13 or 14 left in stock, you need to order right then so that by the time you've run out, you've already got new stock in there and it's replenished. So yeah, no, uh, those yeah are that's points. kind of, yeah, kind of a little bit of the buying all, all mashed up there, but uh, hopefully that's valuable, you know? No, it, it is. And I mean, the first thing that comes to mind with me is I'm thinking, okay, that's great for one product, maybe five products, but you get a lot of products. You almost have to have one person that manages that particular thing. So people listening, you know, these are great points for you to say, okay, I've got a single product that I'm just launching. These are the things that you need to take in consideration. I, don't, I think those are great points, Ty, that you, that you brought up because they're, they're, that's everything that you need to be doing because you could either have, like you said, an upside or a downside and you need to kind of, you got to make sure. And I know from ordering from China and depending if you're shipping by boat, that could be a 60-day uh, you know, process before you even right. get it here. Okay, and that's why I personally don't like using a boat, and I won't use boat shipping as far as I can see right now because I just find things that I can ship by air because I can get them within three days, but it still takes 22 to 30 days sometimes to get it manufactured depending on who you're dealing with, your supplier, and depending on the time of year um, because sometimes their lead time changes. Um, So there's a lot of things that go into play, and the last thing that you want to do is go out of stock. That I can tell you. Um, if you go out of stock, you're going to be playing catch up, uh, and it's going to take it's going to take away from your sales until you get caught back up again. 
Um, oh yeah, I mean Amazon. Know. You know, Amazon will will sometimes they have a little uh, report in there that says this is the amount of sales that you lost because it wasn't in stock. Yeah, that hurts. And whether whether it's accurate or not, <laughs> it's really painful to look at, man. It no, hurts. it is, and they you know they always put the little reminder up there too that tells you you know once you once you get below what you would that you like if you have let's say you have five hundred units in stock but you normally sell a thousand in a month, it's going to tell you you've got low inventory because it knows what you did the last month, the last ninety days, and it doesn't want you to go out of stock. So it's going to remind you and until you get that up to where you're going to be able to sell within, you know, 30 days worth of inventory, that'll stay there and it'll remind you every time you log in. I have had that. I've always caught it in time, but I've always had that coming up every now and then and it's like, "Oh boy, that's kind of scary. I don't want to go out of inventory cuz the sales are really moving nicely." Um, but yeah, that those are some definitely some things that that people listening just need to consider. And and I know right now you might be listening saying, well, I don't have anything selling, but you will. And when you do, these are the things that you need to make sure that you maintain and and account for because it's very, very important. Um, so, okay. So that's, that's great. Okay. So now this agency, now you're managing this for, for other brands. Now these brands, are they manufacturing the product themselves technically, or are they doing the same thing. Are they outsourcing a supplier in China or maybe another one in the US, but they're they're having to get it and then and get it to you? How does that whole process work? Yeah. So I mean we kind of have a, a very wide variety of clients and and some of them, just like you're saying, right? They they get it sourced in China or whatever and they have their own brand here. Uh, some of them manufacture their own product. They're large companies. They have a large, you know, facility right next to their offices and they're manufacturing you know, thousands of units a day uh, out of their own factories. And so the the main thing is that all of these people, they've built their brands elsewhere, not on Amazon, right? So mm-hmm. they're either selling them, you know, a lot of them are selling a little bit on their website, but not, you know, none of them are putting the effort in that you really need to, uh, to make any kind of significant uh, increase in revenue. So they, I mean, they're mostly traditionally in, you know, brick and mortar stores, right? They're either selling, one of our clients sells into huge stores like Walmart, big. Wow. Uh, and and some are just uh, retailing and in, in, in wherever they can, maybe in local grocers or whatever, or, you know, they get in these boutique shops. And, and so for whatever reason, none of them are, are selling on Amazon. And, and, and some of them actually were already, uh, but they weren't, you know, they weren't managing it well. They weren't successful and, at it. Yeah, yeah, they weren't successful at it at all. And uh, you know why? Why would they be if they weren't putting in a full time effort to understand the, the the platform and how it works, right? And mm-hmm. and so you know, kind of taking what they've done, and we just say, well, yeah, no wonder you're you're not selling. I mean, you have a horrible image. You have one bullet point, and nobody's going to buy that <laughs> right. when you look at your competitors. You know, right, right. And so it's it's yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Scott. When it comes to the image, the image is everything because mm-hmm. one of our clients is uh, you know they have a they have some. Uh, it's apparently very quality packaging, and the contents inside are what you want. Sure, but the packaging itself is is very bland. Mm-hmm. And and we just said, look, we understand that your product is better. We understand that you that even this bag that it's in is a higher quality, and people like that. Mm-hmm. But on Amazon, nobody knows, nobody cares what you say is on the inside, right? Exactly. You have to portray the the how quality your brand is by showing them a nice image, you know, on the outside, and and it's it's it, there's no other way for the consumer to understand that, yeah. Yes. Because remember, they're just 
they don't know you. They don't know your product. They just know what they're looking at on that listing. And they know that there's that your competitor on another listing, maybe their product isn't as nice, but their packaging looks better. Yeah. So that's all they have to work on, you know? Yeah. I, I, I brought this up on another episode, which was, I think, really interesting. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched The Profit with uh, uh, Marcus, um, I forget his name. He's a multi-millionaire, maybe even a billionaire, I don't know, but he helps small businesses kind of get themselves back. I've heard on. of this. It's yeah, a really, really good it. show. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've watched that. And um, and he, he went into um, a hair salon, which they also private labeled their own products. Because a, a lot of times you can have your own salon and have your own hair sh- or ha- uh, shampoo, uh, you know, and just private label it with your brand name or you know, whatever. So she had did this, the the owner, but the, the packaging was just like a white bottle with maybe black writing and maybe maybe even a little bit of gold on it or something. And he's like, we can go ahead and repackage this into a nicer, more, you know, fancy looking bottle with a different color and maybe, you know, whatever. And we can charge two bucks more. And he did it. And they yeah. went back and looked about six weeks later and their their profit margin was way up because they were making two bucks more per bottle just from changing the package. And I think it cost them like 30 cents to change that that mold on that bottle. Oh you know? yeah. So yeah. And huge. It's it's crazy. I mean, i I'm I'm pretty confident that with some with some products, the packaging is more expensive than the actual product. Oh yeah. And you know what? That's that's understandable because look, if you have no other way to portray how um, how awesome your brand is, you know how quality your product is. I mean, the packaging says it all. So right. that's going to be a huge part of you know what I'm what I'm going to try and do in the future is make sure at least that that uh, you know if the product itself, you know, if you can't take images super well of the product itself, or if you needed to have it in some sort of package to portray what's going on there, you know, make sure that your packaging is just phenomenal and that that if if your product can stand alone and looks nice on its own, well, make it look as nice as you can. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then, and well, like you say, take as many images as possible. Yeah, and and I think the I, I want people to get this too because you know sometimes the packaging doesn't matter, okay? But if the product matters, then get those high quality images that are zoomable, that are the right size, fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred. I think is the minimum that they want you to have. So then they'll become zoomable. And what I mean by that is you can hover your mouse over and you can start to see the detail. And you want those images to be crystal clear and you want them to be really sharp and professional looking. Um, so that's the first and foremost. And like you said, I think one of the biggest things that people don't look for is, and this is what I look for when I'm doing product research, is I look at the competitors and see any holes in their listing that I. I feel that I can just, just by changing my listing, almost like your packaging in a sense, right? It's it, your listing is like your packaging because you can make that listing better and be optimal just by images, just by headline, just by bullet points, uh, you know, description, all of that stuff that if you see holes, that's a great opportunity for you to come in there and win over the experience of that particular person buying, um, so I just want oh, to point yeah. that out because some people think that, you know, they spend all this time trying to create this awesome looking box and sometimes that paralyzes you to even move forward. So I say, you know, listen, if it can, if it can support itself by being in a poly bag, then do it, you know, to get started and then do the packaging later. But at least when you're, if you're going to go that route, make those images look as high quality as possible. So this way here, your product looks professional. No. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the one product I was referring to was, it was actually a food item, right? So okay. it's hard to display the food and you're not allowed to, right? As your main image, you know, it needs to be what they're going to get in the mail. Sure. So 
in that case, you know, for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm totally with you. You know, yeah. people remember that people are getting the Amazon experience when they're buying from the Amazon store. So you can get away with, you know, putting it in a poly bag and, and then it's in Amazon's boxes. There's the, there's sure. the branding, you know, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So. No, that's, that's awesome. Okay. So this has been great so far. Now, now let's move into, uh, your third phase. Okay. So now <laughs> yes. kind of what you're into now and, and, uh, you know, I, I really want to hear your, your plans moving forward because I know you're just in the midst of of getting your private label brand together, which is going to be your personal brand, I believe, and then your personal product. But you're still having the agency going on over here, so you're still you know building that thing out with some help. Uh, but then now you're thinking of you know what I'm doing this for everyone else. I should probably do it for myself. So kind of take us through that whole uh, process and and thought you know where you're at right now and and what your plans are moving forward. Sure. Yeah. Well, I you know I've I've finally seen the light after three years. I've it's it's taken me a while, and I've I've seen other people doing it along the way, and thought you know what this is something that would be, uh, it's a longer term you know investment. It's a longer term kind of play, and and I just decided yeah you know what I need to be I need to be making my own product as well. Uh, I'm busy helping tons of other people help their products be successful, which is great, and I I really enjoy that, especially because now I'm not having to compete, you know, in the sure. buy box with sure. people. So that's been it's it's been an enjoyable experience. I love working with clients. But at the same time, I said, well, gosh, you know what? I really do believe in this stuff. So why don't I practice what I preach here? And so uh, it's been a good process, though, because since I've been entrenched in in a couple different industries and understood kind of the marketplace, uh, I kind of went at my product selection by saying. Hey, you know what? I think this this type of uh, product is actually trending upwards. And then I confirmed it on Google, you know, on Google Trends, yep, and said, yep. "Yep, okay, it's going up. There's good search volume. Like I'm looking around. I've, I've, I'm excited about what's going on. And uh, so my plan is to 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 follow your steps, Scott, and do all the right stuff, right? So I actually have. Uh, I have a photographer coming over later today, a professional one, to nice. take nice pictures of the product, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, I'm, I'm actually trying to plan on, on doing uh, a couple things at once. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and launch it on Amazon. And at the same time, I'm, getting a, I'm, I'm actually getting a bunch of samples, man. I'm getting 20 samples wow. of each. It's a, it has variations. So, you know, I'm getting basically 100 okay. samples in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get those into some of the bigger retailers at the same time. Oh, wow. um, so try and get it into some brick and mortars and, and see how that goes. Because one thing that I did learn over the last three years is that uh, if you've got a brand... Uh, that's st- selling well in brick and mortar. You can th- that that really only helps you on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may sound kind of contradictory, but it, it really does. You know, if you're selling a brick and mortar, you have a presence there. You're marketing your product by selling it there, and then people are going to learn about it, and someone's going to see, oh, wh- where'd you get that? Oh, well, I you know I bought it at that at such and such store down the road or whatever. You go there, it's out of stock. Where that? Where do you think they're going to look next? You exactly. Know? Uh, or somebody sees it in an airport or whatever, and oh well, hey, I, I want that thing, you know. Well, let me check on Amazon. So I want to see if I can try and build out this simultaneously. And I have no idea how how effective it will be, but I just figure, you know what, it's totally worth the shot of trying to get it into brick and mortar at the same time because brick and mortar and Amazon they they are kind of at odds, but in a lot of ways, I think they complement each other quite well. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's smart. And I think, like you said, I mean, if you're creating the the brand and, the, you know, your packaging and your product, well, you know, it's not really going to be much work to go ahead and, and supply, you know, those those retail stores with your product, you know, and that's going to be up to them if they want to continue to buy it, but you're still going to have things selling on, on Amazon. Um, and, and I know some people have started like you kind of like in retail and then you took that to Amazon. But then I've also heard people that start on Amazon to get a brand built. And then from there, try to market it to retail, bigger retail stores. And then that they can go and see all the, all the feedback. They can see how, how well it's been selling and can show some history. And then that can also help you um, sell into these retail stores. So I'm not there yet, but uh, it would definitely be a long-term play for me. um, You know, looking at that, uh, at that particular model, which, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things you can do. I think once you, once you, establish a brand, um, whether it's exiting out and selling the business completely or going into retail and trying to get it across, you know, the country, um, all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, so your thoughts on that though. So my question is, is, is there anything different that you need to make sure that your product has done packaging wise or, uh, you know, even tested wise in order to get it into a retail store? Uh, you know, I think it, it would depend on, on what kind of story you're entering, you know. So, you know, if you're trying to get into a, a local mom and pop shop, uh, that that's a lot easier sure. uh, to, to do than getting into, uh, you know, your local Walmart. Um, gotcha. So, my thing is I'm, I'm, I'm making connections with people that know how to get into the big places, right? Okay. Uh, I don't know how. I've, I've never done it. But I have, I know several people now that, that are, are pretty much experts and they're, that, that's what they do, you mm-hmm. know, is they get product into those bigger stores. So it's, it's kind of leverage what other people know, you know, and, and learn, learn who you need to talk to in order to get there. Um, one thing that, that every, every retailer is going to want is a UPC code, sure. you know, <laughs> sure. nice and printed on there. And, uh, and then how is it merchandisable? So, you know, one thing that I like about the product that I'm making is the packaging for, you know, I'm my packaging. I'm not even finished with it yet, but uh, it's because I'm going to start on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as as a, as we're sending it to these retailers, we're basically going to, you know, what people do is they just basically say, "Hey, look, um, how do you want us to display this?" And we can we can come up with our own mock up of everything, right? And say, "Okay, hey, we'll we'll put together a nice little point of purchase display, and they can all hang there in a rack or, or or you know or." This is meant for the shelf. This is how it fits, exactly. right? So, the the uh, some uh, it's kind of like a it it seems like it might be trivial, but if your packaging can't stand up and sit well on a shelf, you know what right, I mean. What right. are retailers going to do with it? Right, right. It's really it's really quite interesting. And then and then is it durable? You know, right. if your packaging is falling apart, it it, it makes people think that the product is going to fall apart. Absolutely, it, you know, it yeah, doesn't no. matter whether that's true or not. A hundred percent. You know, and I mean, how many people have, and, and it, again, it's a product dependent, but even, even if it wasn't, if you're shipping into retail, you want that box to be durable, but how many people have pulled out a box and they just, the feel of it almost represented the quality of the product. I mean, I know I have, you know, you get a brand new electrical you know, device of some kind or new phone, like let's just say the iPhone and you pull it out and the box is like really like sturdy and, and, you know, you can feel the raised print on the top of it and it just yeah. makes you feel like that product is special. It's like, it's really high quality. Um, and a lot of times you can get this packaging done where it's not even that expensive to, to create that stuff. But like you said, sometimes it's worth making the packaging again, depending on what your, what your objective is. Um, but sometimes it's worth spending a little bit more on the packaging just to, to give 
give it that that uh, that feel of a higher quality. Um, but I, I like what you said, though. You almost can adapt it to the store that it's being put into, too, or it can be universal in a sense because um, I know you know you could, like you said, put it in a box that has one of those you know, those little tabs on top that has the hole in it, so it can go on a hook. You know, like yep. that might be one avenue, right? Um, and you, who knows, maybe you might have things packaged differently for different stores. I, I don't know how that would work, but, um, but yeah, I think like you said, I think it's, it's important if, to go into a mom and pop is going to be easier than going into a target, right? Because they're going to have more demands. They're going to have more criteria, more things that you're going to need to go through probably than going into mom and pop and saying, Hey, I know you get, you know, so many visitors in here a month or whatever here. Would you mind putting 50 of these in your store? You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the mom and pop, you can you can kind of just, you know, each one's individual. You can you can you know, when I was managing the store, you know, you're pretty accessible, right? Like sure. the, somebody can just walk in the front doors and say, Hey, is your manager here? Yeah. And then there I was, you know. Yep. You yep. can't hide. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but where you, you you try and cold call on Walmart and they they literally will laugh at you in the face, right? So you gotta just uh you know find the right way to get in and and see what they expect of you and and you know obviously uh with some of our clients that are in several of these big stores, you know, it's it's almost the same product, right? That they they sell, but they sell it under a different brand name to each sure big retailer, you know, and that's an interesting way to go about it. You know, it's, it's leveraging what you're doing, you know, leveraging your current products and then just finding more places to sell it. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm excited too about the future of, uh, of Amazon kind of internationally, you know, Oh yeah. I just, I just signed up for a UK account yesterday and I'm going to look into Japan and I'm going to, going to look into all the new marketplaces, right? Because, Oh man, I'm I'm bullish on Amazon, right? I think that uh, that they're going to grow and they're going to grow in all these other marketplaces. And and what's going to happen is it might be a little bit slower in some of these other places. But if you get in early, then then you you don't have as much competition because you've taken the one step beyond, which is it's hard. You know, you have to figure out how to get your product over there. Right. Uh, right. But if you that at any time that there's some sort of issue that seems like oh that's just I don't know if that's worth it. It might be a little bit too hard. You know. It's worth doing it because then, hey, guess what? You weed it out. You know, you have your one percent. Well, then one percent of that one percent will go to the next stage. You know, exactly. So there's more opportunity there. No, there absolutely is. Well, you know, this has been awesome. Uh, I want to thank you again for for uh, coming on and and sharing your your story and and what you're up to. And I think that just the just the ideas alone um, could spark someone to take action and and do something, whether they're in retail arb right now or if they're thinking about private labeling or maybe if they don't have any money they want to get started they could be someone that you know goes with someone that's already have has a product that they can retail for them i think that there's so many things that we could take away from here so i wanted to thank you again ty is there anything else though before we wrap this up that you wanted to let anyone know about either yourself uh what you're working on or if um if there's any other tips or or anything for someone that's mainly just starting out i would say yeah, you know, I, I, the only tip I would have is, you know, we tend to get uh, hyper-focused on saying, gosh, you know, this Amazon opportunity is so awesome. Let's do something Amazon. And, and uh, really what it kind of, kind of comes down to is it, just try and create a business for yourself, right? And pretend, pretend that, you know, obviously do all your research. We're gonna, you're going to use Amazon as your launching platform. I, I think that Amazon is, an, is incredible. It's only going to keep growing. But if you try and create a really quality product and, and try and, and say, look, I could take this and put it in any marketplace. I could take this and put it into any store. You know, try and build yourself a real business. Uh, and, and, you know, 
obviously we'll see if I can actually practice what I preach here. But I think that uh, that if, if you really truly focus on that of trying to create a good business and a good product, that uh, that it'll have longer legs and it'll it'll be good on Amazon, right? And and rather than being so focused and saying, oh, you know what, I just want to I just want to do this and 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 I want to tweak, you know, I want to work on Amazon's algorithm. It's you you tend to lose focus, right? If you're not trying to create a quality product figure out the best ways to market it and kind of go from there, you know? So that, that would be my only kind of piece of advice is to do that, I guess. Yeah, no. And that's, it's great advice because that's what I, I preach as well. And I try to stand by is, uh, you know, you want to create quality products and a quality brand and, and, uh, and from there, you know, like you said, and I like that you said that it's Amazon's the launching pad, right? Because you're, you're, you're going where people are already buying and you're just getting yourself in front of them and they have tons of traffic, right? So it's like you're, you're getting in front of those, those buyers, you know, and it's not even a search engine for just searching, you know, information. It's a search engine of buyers, um, which I think is incredible. And the conversion rates are just out of this world, um, because people are there to buy. Um, so it's a great launching pad, like you said, but it also, you need to think of the longer term if you're building a business and which I think you should be and to say, Hey, can I, can I market this thing off of Amazon? And you should be doing that to, to diversify. So this way here, you're not counting on just Amazon and if they went away, you're kind of screwed. Right. So, um, but yeah, those are some great words of advice. The whole interview was awesome by the way, Ty, and I wish you luck and Hey, we'll have you back and maybe you can give us an update. Uh, you know, maybe kind of tell us what's uh, what's going on. Maybe give us some tips too on the agency because maybe someone else wants to go down that road. Maybe even just have a handful of clients. Um, like I said, Chris Schaefer, that's exactly what he does. I think he's got three or four clients right now that he manages their accounts and takes a portion of their profits. So, um, you know, there's definitely opportunity there. So, uh, once again, thank you so much. I know you got a couple of little ones there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can you hear them in the background? No, now? no, Just I, cries. <laughs> no, I, I, I oh, couldn't. <laughs> no, but hey, if you could, you could. You know what? That's life. Yeah. You know, you yeah. and I are like I said, we we did this a little bit earlier in the morning to to, to uh, give you some free time. But as you said, you had a little rough night there with the with the little ones up. So, hey, I'll, I'll let you get back to the family because that's what we're doing this for ultimately. So, uh, thanks again so much, Ty, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much, Scott, and I just want to thank you. You've, you've done an incredible job with your podcast, and I, I wish you the best of luck. I truly appreciate you saying that, and I'm glad that uh, I'm at least reaching people out there like yourself because, hey, I get to talk to people and learn stuff just like I learned a bunch today. So thanks a lot again. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, so what do you think of that? That was a pretty good interview. Lots and lots of great information. And Ty, again, I want to say thank you, man. You really you knocked it out of the park. And uh, I think we're going to have to have him back on again because uh, I think he, with his knowledge and his background in the retail business and the market that he's going into, he's going to have a really, really cool follow-up interview that we can, we can kind of dig into here. Uh, private labeling is something that he's just getting involved in right now, and I think he's going to knock it out of the park. So we're going to definitely stay, uh, we're going to stay connected to Ty. Uh, so again, thank you. Um, everyone that listened, thank you for taking the time to listen. And I hope you've gotten value out of this uh, episode. I know a lot of you love the interviews. Um, and that's why I try to break this up. I try to give like, you know, one podcast with me kind of going through some of the stuff that I'm working on, uh, either successful or things that aren't so successful. Uh, and then also, uh, I share my Q and A from you guys on usually Fridays once a week. So I'm trying to mix it up and trying to cover everything here. So from the response, everyone has been saying that they they just love the format. So I'm going to try to keep it like that. Uh, the other thing I want to mention here before we uh, call it quits for today is uh, the Facebook group. If you haven't joined over there, go on over and uh, and 
Check that out. I think you're going to really like that. The other thing is when you do go over there or if you're already in it and you haven't done so already, take a picture of yourself wherever you are. If you're walking the dog, if you're in the car, obviously keep your hands on the wheel. Don't take it while you're driving. Uh, you know, if you're you know taking a hike, if you're on the subway, and, and the reason why I say all these things is because that's what I've already received by a lot of you that are listeners, and it's awesome. And I'm going to put together like a little montage or a little you know a little collage of all of the listeners kind of grouped in when I get uh, you know when I get some time here, and uh, it's just really cool. I had a bunch bunch of people send them in already. Uh, one from Belgium, one from uh, uh, Thailand, uh, another one from New York, but in a subway. Uh, you know, so it's just really really cool to see all of the listeners, and uh, it just makes it more more real. Like we can really connect. So awesome. And the other thing is, is if, uh, if you, if you uh, missed the, the workshop the other day that I did, or, you know, if in the future, if you're listening to this, uh, and you wanted to see if I was doing another one, you can just head over to the amazing forward slash workshop. And that'll take you to that page where I'm, where it'll either say what I'm currently doing. If I'm going to have a workshop that I'm going to do in a webinar fashion, or if there's going to be a replay there, that'll be there for you. There'll be something there for you, um, for the workshop that, or the, you know, the hangouts that I'll be doing. So uh, you might want to go check that out. And, and everyone that did show up to the very first one, thank you so much for showing up. I'm recording this as it hasn't even happened yet. Tonight is the night that I'm going to be doing this, so it's going to be interesting. And I think on Friday, I'll report how it went and all of that stuff, so uh, you're going to want to pay attention to that episode as well. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me. If you haven't left an iTunes review, I'd really appreciate if you do that. That would, uh, that would give me a little love there, and I'd appreciate it and it would help the podcast as well. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, I'm rooting for you. I'm here for you. And, uh, you know, I really think that if you just put your mind to it, you kind of drown out all of the noise, you know, kind of put your blinders on and just focus on what you need to do to move forward. Step one through step whatever, right? Just get it done. Take action. All right. Take care. See you in the next episode.